Hello. I have an invitation to tea with the Queen. Yes, Emma's been expecting you. Please come in. I think that we just massively underestimate, especially as women, our own capability and awesomeness. And it, it's changed. It's changed my life completely. Yeah. Sometimes I think you go through this journey as a business owner and think you're a bit crazy. You're like, who am I to have this dream? Well, I just think women are hard on themselves. I wish I had been more confident in what I was capable of. But I feel like you do what feels right for you, then that's going to be always on brand. Women, our natural inclination is to be pleasers and to put other people before self. I've never had a tea with the Queen before and this is such a pleasure. (laughs) Hello, I'm Emma McQueen and welcome to Tea with the Queen. A business is only as good as the people in it. We hear that a lot and it makes perfect sense, doesn't it? And so it makes equal sense to find the right people and really, really look after them. Not only because it's the right thing to do, but it costs a lot of money to hire someone only to lose them soon after. Kath Harris is a HR consultant and founder of Unscripted HR. She helps businesses find the right talent and she advises on how to support employees so they're happy and can do their best work and hopefully stay for the long term. She offers workshops called DISC. You'll find out shortly what the acronym stands for for business owners and leaders to develop their communication and leadership styles. If you have a business and you're looking to hire, you'll get a lot from the wise words of Kath Harris. Hi, Kath. Welcome to Tea with the Queen. Hey, Emma. How are you today? I'm good. How are you doing? Awesome. That's good. I want to dive straight in and ask you, why don't businesses have a good handle on their people stuff? Look, I think in terms of business owners, managers in businesses, they don't always have the expertise or the knowledge. So they come in with sort of the technical focus, technology, financials, and they don't have a hold of like the people element. And the additional thing to that is they don't always have the money to invest in, you know, those specialised services around human resources or professional development for their people. It's so interesting to me because we're both HR professionals, right? Both got a background in HR or people and culture, whatever you want to call it. And I feel like sometimes the people stuff is just common sense, but it's not, right? And people get promoted because they're technically great, but we're still doing that, aren't we? Years later, years and years later, why aren't we learning that actually to get the best out of people, you kind of have to have some good people skills? Look, I think that's a tough one. I work with a number of businesses that have exceptional people with technical capability and that's all they know. They've either got picked up along their journey of their career, that element of people management and development, or it's been not something they've really been interested in. And I think there's an element of investing in people so that they can develop those skills because I think we've learned that along our journey of you know leadership you can develop leadership skills obviously there are some people where there's more of an innate I guess ability so for me it's actually about the individual and working out what they want to do not everyone is a a natural people leader and not everyone wants to actually become 
a manager. So, And not everyone's good at it. Yeah, absolutely. But it's trying to work that through and give people the opportunity. And they may discover that, that themselves or they may need sort of that development, that focus to improve in those areas. Yeah, fair enough. I know you do a lot of recruiting. It's a very hard place to be in. Tell me, what are some of the fundamentals a business should have in place when employing someone? Good question. I think it starts right back from the very essence of what is the outcome? So what is the the business trying to achieve by bringing in that role? So it's looking at, okay, the roles and responsibility of that individual, but also, yeah, being clear from a, a structure perspective, yeah, the element of like background and experience. In a lot of businesses that I work with that are in that scale up startup space, they need people that have got quite a broad general skill set versus a very specific skill set. So that journey at the very beginning is you don't you you need people that are very flexible and adaptable and can jump in and do various things across the board. So it's great to have some clearly defined roles and responsibilities and to create that expectation up front when you're bringing people on board. And the other biggest fundamental, I think, around employing someone is having a really clear onboarding process so that when they do come into your business, they're very clear on what are the outcomes expected of them within the role, meeting the team, getting the right tools. You know, I actually had an experience this week where I was talking to some people around their onboarding experience into a business they've been in probably for a couple of years. And this particular person had said to me, they arrived, they'd been there till lunch uh, and walked out, went across the road to the park and called their partner and burst into tears and said, I think I've just made the biggest mistake. And that was all around the fact that in that morning, it had been very disorganised. They hadn't felt sort of that welcome or or love, I guess, in that, that first sort of few hours. And there was a lot of uncertainty for them. Now, that was regained, but I guess that first impression of when you're starting with a business is just really critical to how that person's journey is going to eventually evolve. Oh, that makes me sad because onboarding isn't that hard to get right. (laughs) Is it? Is it hard to get right? Oh, I think, again, coming back down to that question around, you know, business owners and managers, it just depends on the person's experience and people are complex and different. I think every business needs to look at, okay, what what do we stand for? What are our visions? What's our culture? Um, and how are we going to make this a meaningful experience when, when people come on board? And by having some of the basics in place, I agree around having, you, you know, your laptop ready, your passwords, all those sorts of things are really critical. But just simple things like making sure that, you know, if there's someone there as a buddy, then you talk about, you know, that process with them, that you, you arrange morning tea or take them out to lunch on their first day. Sometimes it's actually the little things that can make the biggest difference. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I totally agree with that. There are a lot more uh, employee costs than basic salary and tax. And I think people forget that. What do you think about that? Absolutely. I think one of the biggest things can be even just the recruitment side of things. So even before um, you're bringing that person on board, there's definitely that actually sourcing the individual um, because it's not, it, there's a monetary component, but it's also time. And 
I mean, the other thing is, and that's why it's so important to invest in our people and retain them, is the amount of money that we do invest in training and development and all those sort of professional development courses that that people go on and learning about the business. So they're they're all costs. Um, There's obviously, you know, equipment costs and all those sorts of things. The other thing that's really important, and I mentioned it before, but just around the culture and the investment of even things like reward and recognition and looking at things holistically, looking at your benefits, what are you going to offer? Um, Do you want to give people from an employee value proposition their birthday off or, you know, a week off to do external training and development? So all of those things do add up from an employee cost perspective. I mean, what I'm hearing you say is maybe just try and retain your employees rather than keep recruiting. (laughs) Absolutely. But again, that's an investment in time and money. But it's really important because in terms of the cost of the hire of an employee, I think what people don't necessarily see is that it's actually, I think it's 1.5 in terms of salary. So you might hire someone for $100,000, but it actually is costing you $150,000 by the time you invest in recruitment, benefits, training and development, and to then lose that person, you're you're using the time and the pressure on the rest of the team if that person was in a critical role and you're trying to fill that gap until you replace them. Oh, that's good to know for people when they're thinking about either are they going to put the effort in to retain this individual or let them go, what the actual cost is going to be. In a business these days, is it required to demand police checks and working with children checks? Look, it really depends on the the business and the industry. So definitely not every job in Australia requires that. Some positions in healthcare, you know, finance, aged care, you know, government, there definitely might be a necessity for that. And that's the same for police and working with children's checks. So it's really just really important for businesses to check their legal requirements around that. But certainly if it's a requirement for the role and they're not getting those, it poses a risk, obviously, to the organisation. Yeah, right. Is the term HR seen as old-fashioned and also not taken seriously enough in some organisations? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, look, it's interesting there's definitely been a, a shift to a more sort of holistic approach to to people and people management. And as we know, we're seeing terms like now people and culture, talent management, employee experience that are a lot more encompassing, I guess, from a, a holistic sort of HR perspective rather than us just seeing being seen as an administrative function. I think the other thing that I get a lot is from uh, the terms used, and you would have heard this, is around the HR police. Or hated relations or human remains. Oh, <laughs> I haven't heard some of those ones. That's interesting. Look, I think today what's happening is, and which is, which is awesome, is that the role of HR is becoming, you know, more strategic. It's seen as a, you know, a fundamental role within the organisation. So I think we're moving in a positive direction. However, I still think there's uh, a lot of work because there are some credibility issues around, you know, HR, unfortunately, still. And again, I guess the thing to think about is though, HR can look different in different organisations. So an organisation that obviously is heavy around compliance, 
there's a lot of legislative requirements that do have to be met. And so that can feel quite black and white from a HR perspective. But definitely there's so much value from an employee experience and perspective that and, and strategy now that we can have a big impact on in regards to businesses and the, and the type of experience and culture that they want to create. Yeah, absolutely. I want to talk about the fact that you were Kath Harris, Human Resources, and then you changed to Unscripted HR. Can you tell us about that? I guess it does relate back to that previous question because for me, I do feel like we're moving beyond traditional HR processes and embracing you know, more sort of dynamic and adaptable type practices. And when I called my business unscripted, the words that sort of came to me around that was around innovation, you know, dealing with things that are unpredictable and that we don't have to strictly adhere to, you know, rules and guidelines and, you know, scripts that, you know, people are complex And for me, unscripted relates to, I guess, my approach around I'm very genuine and transparent in the type of HR solutions that I provide in unscripted HR. So it's not cookie cutter. It's very bespoke. It's tailored to the needs of the particular organisation. And every organisation I work with has different needs. And so therefore, unscripted provides a, a genuine adaptive solution versus something that's quite black and white. Did you think when you changed, did you think about the fact that you were a personal brand and maybe that's not where you wanted to be? And what was your thought process with that? Oh, look, I think at the beginning for me, Kath Harris was like a a starting point in terms of my consulting. But I think over the last year, I've recognised that I wanted the brand to speak to a much more broader audience. And so I felt that unscripted HR was more encompassing to that. I do love unscripted HR. I also love your new website. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. Who do you mainly work with? Look, I work with the majority of my businesses are small to medium enterprise. So generally starting from 10 employees up to a hundred, um, roughly. I do bespoke workshops around DISC with much larger organisations and, and teams. The industries I tend to mostly work with is professional services and health. However, in saying that, I do have some clients outside of those and it really does depend on the type of needs that they have. And when I'm working with clients, I catch up with them for a coffee, have a chat about what those things are and if there's alignment in terms of my expertise and the problem potentially that they're trying to solve, then we establish a a relationship and I help them with with the work that they need. You mentioned DISC workshops. What does DISC stand for? DISC stands for Dominance, Influence, Steadiness and Conscientiousness. What is a DISC workshop? The DISC workshop is essentially around working with teams and leaders around understanding each other's preferred style and how they like to operate. So the way I like to use it isn't, again, it's not a black and white. People have to, in their roles, move in and out of DISC. 
And it's basically, we have a primary personality and we tend to be influenced in a certain section of DISC. So therefore, it's about learning about ourselves and that's why I like the tool. So it's about how do I learn more about myself and how I like to operate and how does that then play out in working with others and also working in a broader team. And so the DIS workshop, we go through understanding more about ourselves, sharing that with each other and then looking at, okay, well, how can we really use those as opportunities and strengths within the team? But what are some of the things that we need to look out for that may come up as sort of challenges or stumbling blocks? And do people know that they need a DISC workshop or is it a way for a team to understand their own styles and each other's styles and you kind of bring that in? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, some people have never heard of it before and others have come across it or used it in in other organisations. But mostly the DISC comes up. I mean, I actually, when I work with my clients, it's one of the first things that I do as part of our client onboarding process is I like to get an an idea around their style and I share mine with them so that we're clear on expectations and how we're going to work together. So there's that piece. But then I guess when I'm talking um, with business owners and they're saying, look, I'd really love to do some, some work with the team so they can understand how each other operates or likes to operate and work together more effectively. And that's when I introduced this because I, it's quite a, um, you know, it's an easy tool to understand. Yeah, it is. I, I really like the tool. I really like the tool and I think it's really useful for teams to understand each other's styles. I don't think we spend enough time going, this is my style, what's your style, how do we work together? Yeah, absolutely. You've worked for many years in HR departments in some pretty iconic companies, St George Bank, Citibank, Optus, and you've had a pretty lucrative career. Why did you go out on your own? Yeah, look, I've been incredibly fortunate to work with, yeah, some amazing organisations and also some really awesome HR leaders and, and CEOs. I guess for me, within those larger organisations, there are some constraints and bureaucracy. And I think what I've discovered along my journey is that um, I like to push some boundaries and, and look at alternative possibly groundbreaking type approaches. And so I really felt that I was possibly restricted from an innovation perspective and not all of those organisations are willing to sort of experiment with new ideas or methodologies. And so that's one of the main reasons. But in addition to that, I really, I feel like when I'm working directly with a CEO or business owner, um, I'm dealing directly with the decision maker and I personally feel like I can have more of an impact in that business by providing my expertise and experience. Yeah, with big organisations comes big systems, bureaucracy, politics, all that kind of stuff, doesn't it? Yeah. With a smaller organisation, you can have more impact more quickly, I expect. Yeah, absolutely. And I think one of the other things for me is that I've discovered along my own career journey is that I'm quite entrepreneurial. And whilst I have the technical HR expertise and background, I also love the client management and the business development. And that's a a new and interesting and different challenge that I have currently. You're a relationship builder for sure. (laughs) Do you have any regrets about going out on your own? Um, Look, 
to be honest, there's always doubt that does come up. That, that I'm being completely honest about that. I guess for me, if I think about it in terms of my own entrepreneurial journey, I try and stay as resilient and curious as possible. And I'm a very determined person, so I don't like giving up easily. <laughs> I know this about you. (laughs) But I think to your point before around relationships, um, for me, like the business is built on relationships and because that's sort of core to my why, I think, you know, on the toughest days, that's what you have to remind yourself of. And I think what's interesting, it can be quite isolating. So when you talk about regrets, what I, I guess I seek out, on a regular basis, so I'm not so isolated, is that support from others. So whether that be, you know, mentors, peers, coaches, people from a HR perspective that I'm connecting with regularly, my clients. So that's definitely uh, one of my needs from being, yeah, yeah, my style. It's all about connection and community really, isn't it? Absolutely. But as I've, I've probably indicated or talked about this previously is that my two core values are freedom and connection. And so there's the freedom in terms of having, you know, I guess my own business and the connection piece is that I continue to connect with with people regularly. Yeah, absolutely. What would you say to people who are thinking about jumping out of corporate and into their own consulting? Have you got any words of wisdom from having been there? Yeah, I think it is about embracing the journey And it is a journey, so there's going to be learning, growing pains. It's not a destination. I think that's the thing is, like, it is an ongoing journey. You're not just going to get somewhere and it's finished. So, but the other thing I think, and I have to remind myself of this, is to celebrate the wins along the way, because I just think we don't do that enough. And so, it is very much sort of going, hey, you know, I've had this small victory and I always use the analogy of, you know, it's a, a marathon, not a sprint. So that's something that I I look back on. And I think sort of similar to what I was talking about before, like some words of wisdom is like, you know, seeking that support, building that level of resilience. I think it can be a challenge, but if you can bounce back quickly when you do have those moments or things that come up where you question whether you want to continue the journey – and you go back to why about why you even started it. Yeah, I love that. I heard Tiffany Hall speak. She is a personal trainer who has the ninjas. Yes, yes, I've definitely, yeah. Yeah, and she used a phrase when she was speaking called bounce forward, which I really like. You know, like instead of bouncing back, we bounce forward. Like what's the what's the lesson and how do we bounce forward using it? And I really like that phrase anyway. I digress. Yeah, no, I completely agree. Is there any practical tips that you might have for others kind of starting out in their journey? Apart from the things you've already talked about, about connection and support and all of those kind of things. So for me, for instance, a business owner's job is never done. You can never get it all done in one day. You just have to go out and close the door and be happy with what you've been able to achieve, you know. And I think People like stuff wrapped up in a bow. It's like when you go on holidays, you like to have a clean desk and that's not always possible as a business owner because you're relying on other people. What are some practical things for you that you would say to someone, just think about this? I would say wholeheartedly think about what you can outsource. (laughs) (laughs) Of course you would. Because um, we aren't good at everything. And so for me... 
I really quickly identified that I needed some help with my bookkeeping. I needed some help with my content and my marketing strategies. I needed a business coach. So I actually, my tips would be to look at what you are prepared to invest in to set yourself up for success. There's always going to be things that come up, but my tips are is to, to look at where your strengths are and where your value is going to be and your time and what can you simply get someone else's help with. Yeah, I totally agree. Totally agree. I love that. I love how much you outsource. I love the little conversations we have like, should I do this? Yeah, let's do this. <laughs> hey, Kat, it's been a pleasure having you on Tea with the Queen. Thank you so much for joining us. I think if someone is considering stepping out of corporate and going in as a consultant or is a consultant starting out and thinking, what do I need to do next? That there's some great tips. So thank you so much for your time. Oh, thank you for having me. I've loved it. Thanks for listening to Tea with the Queen. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. It really does help to get the word out. For more about me, please visit emmamcqueen.com.au and I look forward to your company next episode. Goodbye. Thank you for coming.